When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 168. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome all Dose of Leadership Nation listeners. I appreciate you taking the time to tune into the show once again. I love the comments I'm receiving, the emails. Please keep them coming my way. If you've got any questions about leadership or you, you know, questions about your what you should do with leadership, if you're having a leadership challenge, let me know. Send it at richard at doseofleadership.com. I'd be more than happy to answer your questions and maybe even read your questions on the air and answer them there. Hey, I want to introduce my new friends to the show, new partners to the show, 99designs. And these guys have tons of experience. They've really helped me on my branding. And having experience these days is totally priceless. More than 300,000 design projects have passed through the doors at 99designs, and that's expertise. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I chose to work with them on my design projects. Go visit 99designs.com leadership, and you can get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free today. I'm so excited to have my show, Michael O'Neill, on the show. He is the host of the Solopreneur Hour, a great podcast that was launched in August 2013 and has had tremendous success. He just surpassed his one millionth total download just a week or so ago. And I'm so excited to have him on the show because he is so passionate about the mindset we talk about here on Dose of Leadership, where we talk about fear, working through fear, and acting through your convictions. He's got a wonderful story that I can't wait to, for him to share with you. Michael, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Richard, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. You know, and, and I love um, your story, and I left a lot of the details out in the bio. I kept it short because I I think your story and how you got to where you where you are today is tremendous uh, value to my listeners. So tell us a little bit more sp- specifically how it all started for you. You know, even going back to when you started in Ohio for you, when did it you know tell kind of bring us up to speed to where you're at today? You want me to talk about baseball in Ohio? When I was <laughs> well, 12? sure. Not, why that's, not? That's you relevant. Yeah, well, right. I was you know I was on the baseball team. We were called the Bears in Mommy, Ohio, and uh, I played shortstop and pitcher. I was in the all-star team and I cried when they pulled me from the all-star game when I was seven years old. So, you know, that really formed me into the man I am today, Richard. Oh, very good. Man. Well, thanks for, what else yeah, well, yeah. thanks for coming to the show. It was great for you to have to be, to be All right. Today. All right. So, you guys yep. take care now. Thank you so much. Um, I did live in Ohio for a while, which is now what I refer to as the armpit of right. uh, America. It's uh, There's no economy anymore. I feel so bad because it was such a cool little small town to grow up in. And um, I don't know what they're going to do these days. We've got we've got Detroit falling apart, and I don't know what to, I don't know what happens to one of our major industrial cities. Um, I lived I lived then in Philadelphia from there, and um, yeah, it was a I had a real you know dad had a major grow up in the South uh, kind of work ethic you know right. literally picked cotton in the fields. Wow. 
um, when I was a little kid, we used to pick up, I had four acres in Ohio and we used to pick up rocks in the, uh, in the yard. That was like, I was, I don't know, six years old or something, wheeling a, uh, a wheelbarrow around four acres, picking up the rocks that would come up, uh, throughout the winter, you know, like somehow rocks would grow oh my gosh. when the, when the snow melted. I mean, my brother would be there picking up like giant wheelbarrows full of rocks. Um, but anyway, uh, there's some hustle. There's that. There's a little something you need for leadership. So right, is that where it all started for you? Is it kind of that 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 work ethic with your parents? I mean, was it was it a difficult growing up that way? Or, I mean, what what was your relationship like with your parents? I think that I th- dad was a. I mean, he you know I grew up with a CEO, so there was never. If there was work to be done, the work was getting done, whether the weather cooperated or whether you had other things to do, you know, right. I, there's way too many times that friends of mine would stop by on Saturday morning to go ride bikes and he put them to work too. Oh my God. So, you know, it was definitely the kind of thing where, yeah, you can go when you mow the lawn, you know, there was always a little something. Um, and you know, I, there's one story actually that I, uh, I was probably in a high school and I really wanted a new Walkman. Sony Walkman. And there was one that had just come out that was barely bigger than a cassette tape. I mean, it was just barely, it was that thin. Right. It was all metal and it was this killer little device. It was like a really high end device, probably 179 bucks uh, at the time. And I was in, ah, oh, man, I probably was in seventh, seventh grade, maybe sixth, seventh grade. And right. I told my mom, I was like, I want to go get this Walkman later. And she was like, well, how much is it? I said, it's $179. And she's like, you don't have the money. And I said, I know I don't, but I'm going to get it. I'm going to go earn it today. She goes, all right, we'll see, you know, whatever. And I went out and shoveled driveways for 20 bucks a driveway and did like 10 and made a couple hundred bucks. And I came back at about three o'clock in the afternoon. And actually it was later because I really wanted to get there before they closed. And I was like, we have to go, we have to go, we have to go. And, and she said, well, you know, well, why? And I said, I made it, I made the money. So it's time. So that was kind of, I think, an early seed right. planted was like, how can I, how can I take my outside environment and let it work for me a little bit? Right. Um, and just from, I, you know, just from, uh, speaking to so many people on my show, it sounds to me like the entrepreneurial gene was planted, you know, the seed was planted early. Well, that's where I was kind of getting at with, you know, I was curious about your relationship with, with your parents and your father, you know, your dad said it was a CEO. I did, you know, and he sounded like he was making you do a lot of. You know, there was no idle hands in, in that household, it doesn't sound like. And I didn't know if that was what kind of bred to your um, hustle, I guess. I know that's an overused word these days. but um. he, You know, he did something cool in that when I really wanted a bicycle, there was a bicycle. I was really into BMX biking when I was a kid. And it was like really early on. Right. This was probably fifth grade. Uh, this was probably 84 or so, 83, 84. And I really wanted this bike. And it was, you know, again, 250 bucks. And he made me a deal that he would, for every dollar I put into it, he would match it. Wow. That was the, that was the deal. And I thought that was cool. Like, looking yeah. back on it now, if I had, I have no kids that I'm aware of, but if I did, that's what I would do. I would do that same yeah. plan with them. Um, one of the guys in my coaching program who has a great idea with his kids, which is, um, in fact, he has a show <clears throat> coming out called No Allowance. And he doesn't do allowance for his kids. Rather, he lets them come to him with little micro business opportunities within the house. Like, Dad, 
if I, you know, mow the lawn and pull the weeds, will you pay me this much? And he negotiates with them and he makes a sort of a little deal right. with them, but he doesn't give allowance. He doesn't give just base, you know, remember when five bucks a week was a thing. Right. Um, he doesn't do that. So, and consequently his kids have like this amazing entrepreneurial bug already planted. Yeah. And plus a lot of great stuff gets done around the house. <laughs> well, that's, it's interesting, you know, about the entrepreneurial bug, because I look back at, um, why people kind of go down that path. For me, it was almost a frustration when I looked at, and my parents were great, and my dad was great, and my dad had an opportunity to take over a lumber business. They they wanted to sell it to him. They were going to go out of business. They were in business for 100 years. They loved my dad. They wanted they wanted to offer it to my dad to sell, and I thought, what an amazing opportunity. And my dad said, no way, that's just not me. My dad knew who he was better than, you know, it, it was the right thing for him. It wouldn't have been the right thing to do. But that kind of frustration led me to, I, you know, I'm going to, do this. I'm going to own my own business. I'm going to do my own thing. That's kind of where it was planted for me. But you're right. A lot of people kind of exposed like the lessons your father gave, what you're talking about, your friend starting the new podcast. Uh, we are so more impactful uh, with what we do, the influence that we provide to them. I, I don't know. It just, I'm just, it's always curious to me how people get started going down the entrepreneurial path. Yeah. And it's, it is one of those things that we probably don't even realize it's happening. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's a, it's very innate for some people, whereas some others that don't have that kind of influence, you know, hopefully they find their way to some of the really great key books and, you know, they get the, they get the seed planted. You know, for me, when, I, when people discover how unemployable they are, um, that's really what begins the journey for people, at least in my, in my little universe of Solopreneur Hour. You know, as you talk, as you as you go through to where you are today, I mean, and um, you talk about in your your um, about page yourself in two thousand four, two thousand eight, your parents had fell ill, and that was kind of a a period in your life where you spent a lot of emotional and financial bank trying to in that phase. Was was any entrepreneurship happening at then, or was it just f- totally focused on on your parents at that time? Well, I was a at the time I was a freelancer. I was a web uh, designer and developer, and so I it, it was, but not in the I suppose. The, the way I'd worked my freelance business towards the end was I was kind of, I was already at a director level, meaning like a creative director or a web director versus someone who was just cranking out doing production work. Right. And, but I was a freelancer. So who else was going to do it? Who else was going to crank out the production work? Well, for me, I sort of treated my business like a, a CEO or a director. So what I would do is I'd get a new client, and this only happened about the last year that I was doing it, but I'd get a new client. I would uh, completely scope out the project for them. If, you know, whatever the web project was and whether it needed to come also with, you know, if it was a brand or an identity or whatever, get it all on paper or, you know, in a document of some sort and send it to them. And once they would say, yes, this is what we're looking for, I'd say, great, let me work on a proposal for you. I would take that exact document and post it to Elance. And I would get bids for it. So it would come in at like $400 from someone. And I'd turn around and I'd give them a $4,000 proposal. So I would basically outsource the entire project and and still manage it like I would if I were a creative director. Right. Like I was still paying attention to what they were getting. I was, you know, brushing it up around the edges. Uh, But I, you know, I ended up having this fantastic business because – my stuff was getting done way faster than I would have done it myself. Right. And so I was giving up, you know, 400 bucks of my 4,000. Right. But 
it was getting done in two weeks and the client was super happy and I was able to take on more clients. What prompted you to have that aha moment? Was that something that you, as you were kind of going, or something just hit you on your own or were you kind of just, as you were surrounding yourself with more like-minded folks, did, did it kind of come to you? I mean, how did that happen? I was, I, you know what I did some, I was, I was that, that guy for somebody else. There was a guy named Jonathan Cardozo that I uh, had done a little work for and he had this whole fleet of people working for him and he didn't know anything like he, mm -hmm. I, no, I shouldn't say that. I mean, he's, he was very capable, but he wasn't a designer and he wasn't a programmer. Right. He was great at like getting the projects, but then he outsourced everything. And I thought, man, that is a brilliant like, business right. model. Why am I not doing that? And that's <laughs> right. kind of, that's kind of what I, and by the way, you still very, especially if you're a programmer, uh, design is a little harder because it's, you know, they're hiring you and your, sure. your talent and your taste. But in those cases, I would just lay something out in Photoshop. I would do, which I loved. That was a, that was the part yeah, that I loved. Yeah, your strength, right? Yeah, okay. That was the thing I would love. It, it would be a layered file in Photoshop. And they'd sign off on that. I'd say, great. And then, boom, it, I'd send it right off to PSD to HTML. And they would, they would do all the hard, the heavy lifting. And then I'd get the programming done somewhere else. So it was good. Well, that's you can see how that's a what the great aha moment, a great stepping stone that's kind of leading you to where you are today. So you muddled through as you put. And I'm, I'm again, I'm kind of going through your bio here. You muddled through that kind of phase, and you said you didn't have much success. Was this this what you just shared with me? This kind of phase where you're doing this outsourcing is that time frame? Is that what we're talking about here? That was probably yeah, sort of. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit after that because what had happened? I I had two very very sick parents for a number of years, and I was dealing with trying to keep a freelance business going while I was flying across country to Florida sure. and, and dealing with that. And if you're a freelancer, you really have to keep things in the funnel because you can only handle so much work. Yeah. And it, so you don't want to get too much work and you can't get it done. And you certainly have to have enough to pay your bills. And so I, because of the, <laughs> the, the chaos of kind of flying back and forth and not just being in a rhythm which is what you need to be in, I think, to create any launch or any business. You can't be traveling all over the world. You know what I mean? You've got to right. have like a regular schedule and a routine if you're trying to launch something. And um, in my case, I was, it was so chaotic with, on so many different levels that my, my income went down the drain. I mean, and, and my choice was often, my choice was deal with medical bills or deal with like house payments. Hmm. And so those things lost. Yeah. You know, if I'm dealing with my mom, it's like mom wins. <laughs> mom wins that battle every time. So um, when they they both passed away in 2007 and I just when I say I muddled, I tried to muddle through. I mean, I was left completely broke. I right. mean, completely broke. I lost my house, a lot of my cars. I lost everything, my retirement. So I was effectively starting over and I kept trying to just get gigs. I was like, let me just get a right. web gig and I'll get this and I'm going to try to survive until someone far smarter than me, smart, far wiser than me said, look, you've had so much chaos in your life for the last four years. You haven't even had a chance to mourn. Mm. And it hadn't even dawned to me that that was a thing that I should do. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was yeah. still, it reminds me of that first scene of Saving Private Ryan where the guy is just wandering around the battlefield and he's just like, after it's done, he's just sort of looking around. He doesn't know what to do. Like he just has no idea of what to do at that point. Right. And that's kind of where I was. I just didn't have, I had no vision whatsoever to, in terms of what I wanted to do with my life. I, um, and I hadn't even really properly processed the loss of my parents. Right. So at that moment when he said that, 
you know, my, my goal was as a successful adult, you know, my dad was the kind of guy that would drive cross country in a Winnebago, but wouldn't jump on a flight to Paris for six hours. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to take them anyway. I'm going to go. I always wanted to take them to Europe. That was like my, that was like my thing to do as a quote unquote successful adult. Right. Um, and then they passed away. So I couldn't really do that. And I decided to get there, uh, get a little Italian Parmesan cheese shaker, which I literally went to a restaurant supply store and bought one. <laughs> and I put their ashes in it. And I went to Europe for four months and I spread their ashes. I mean, they're on the beaches of Normandy. They're in the Sistine Chapel. Sometimes I had to go a little Shawshank Redemption with it because right. you're not allowed to spread ashes, right. you know, in the Sistine uh-huh. Chapel. Um, and it was really this cathartic, very visceral healing for me that I just got to say, all right, I'm going to process this. I'm going to go through these moments for a few months and really, you know, I was sustaining myself by taking on a, you know, I I would do a quick little web project or a business card and get 700 bucks and I go to Italy for a week and then come back. And then I would, you know, I had a, I was staying in Brussels, Belgium. So that was a really great, you know, hour and a half away from everything. And I did it for four months. I came back in June of 2009 and I landed in Washington, D.C. with $14. Wow. Um, and not like I better hit the ATM, but I had $14. And my brother picked me up from the airport. I didn't have, I had a phone, but I did, couldn't afford to turn it back on. And I was sitting on his guest bed, kind of like, all right, then what happens? <laughs> and that was really the beginning of this journey, like this phase, right. which to me, I put a cap on about a month ago. That's that was great. the that was this sort of rebirth that I've had to go through and this relearning and this re-networking and, you know, a number of new businesses that have now evolved into the, the podcast, which is now the sort of the biggest thing I've ever done. That's great. I know. And um, I'm, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I thought, you know, even though we went all the way back to Ohio, I wanted to take it up to that point because, and I'm curious too, if you could take me back to that point, even to when you're sitting on the edge of that bed or even prior to that, and just shortly after your parents died, you decided to mourn. Did you always have it in the back of your mind that I'm going to be successful at something or was it like, man, is this ever going to turn around? What, what emotion would you say weighed heavily on you there? Um, it's a good question. I, I have never, I've always, I think there's always been a subcontext of I'm fine. I'll be fine. Right. It's going to work out. And that's how it's always been for me financially, like somehow I always figured out a way, um, where I needed a shift and the shift has really only come in the last year was it'll work out. That was enough for me to just barely get enough to work out versus now where I'm thinking more in abundance and now more abundance is coming my way. Yeah. That's that's been a, that's been a huge shift and I'm in a transition right now with that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm transitioning with abundance going, okay, I've never experienced this before. So I've got to, I have to learn how to be this way. Oh, I love that. That's great. And I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because I even think the first part that you said, um, kind of having the choice, and I think it's a choice, the choice of, look, it's going to be okay. It's almost like suspending the belief on how it's going to get done. You just know it's going to get done, even though it just seems overwhelming, right? I think that is a critical mindset for anybody, entrepreneur or not. Don't you think to deal with the uncertainties and the and the, the bad things that are inevitably going to happen to us in life? I mean, it, it's almost like it's a choice, is it not? I, I don't. I think it's a choice. I it, I do think that. I will say that it is a that is a. I, I feel like a rare 
trait in people. Um, I don't mm. worry about much. Yeah. Like if you looked at my stress level, even when, you know, when they, even when you're losing when your S, house and everything and all that's going down, your stress level is still pretty low. And it always has been. It's that's that's um, that's been a thing that I have considered a strength. Like my version of ADD is the kind that makes fighter pilots. Right. Um, and I'm not, it's not even a joke. Like it's legit. I'm with you, like, yeah. Someone told me you've got the right combination of being able to, to, to juggle 12 things at once without hyper focusing on one of them. And that's what makes a good fighter pilot because right. otherwise they're, you know, there's a missile coming in from one side that they don't notice. So it's this able to be sort of hyper aware of your surroundings. It's what made me a good waiter because mm-hmm. it's, it's the literally the exact same gene that, 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 that makes someone a good, just somehow you know exactly what to continue to do. Right. And so I've always been good in uh, panic situations. When I was a kid, when I was in seventh grade, our, our high school caught on fire. And it was like in an adjacent classroom. And it was actually a little sketchy. We were in a spot that was really sketchy in this particular classroom. And the teacher panicked. And I just completely took it over. I just wow. was like, yeah, I got the doors open, got the emergency windows open, got make sure all the students were out. And of course, then I, I let her let me out last or let let her, you know what I mean? She's like, I let her be the last one out of the classroom, even though she was freaking out. Right. I was like, here, just I'm going to go first and then you go and close up behind me kind of thing. And it that was and it was a, that was the first time I'd ever externally gone, huh? I was really very calm and very. Um, it almost brought me to to an assertiveness that I'd never seen before. Yeah, which is presumably why for the activities that I do, um, I race cars. I used to race mountain bikes. I play racquetball. None of which allow you to think about anything more than the super hyper focus of what you're doing at right. the time. Right. And that's the only way that I can sort of tame that part of my brain that always wants to kind of go and do something else. Right. So from a leadership standpoint, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I've never really felt like freaked out about stuff, even when most people would be really freaked out about situations. Yeah. Um, it's rare to, to get me kind of freaked. So even then, I, I suppose to, to the, the long-winded answer to your question is that I, I knew in a sort of an, um, what's the right word? I always felt like I should be a VIP, even though I wasn't. I just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I got you. So you know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I was like, mean. I should like I'm looking around at people that are more successful than I am, and I'm not there, and I should be. And I guess the 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 uh, what demonstrated that to me is whenever I would meet someone who's super successful, like really really high end successful, they would tell me something along the lines of you've got it. You just don't know that you have it Hmm. or you haven't figured out what you're doing with it yet. Right. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. So, so I don't know that it was necessarily a, like, like, Oh, I'm going to be successful. It's it's a given. It was a more like, what the heck am I doing? Like, how, how do I get there? I have no idea how I'm going to get to wherever that I didn't know what the destination was and I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I thought that there was a destination. Hey, halfway through the show, I want to take some time out, just a brief moment, to talk about my partners at 99designs. You know, if you were like me in the beginning, I remember I was dreaming of a logo, a perfect website design, but I didn't know how to get started. I was worried about a budget. 
Well, that's where 99designs came in, and they can certainly help. 99designs is the world's largest graphic design marketplace, and it makes it easy for you to to get a design that you love. Just go to their website, tell them about the design you need, and pick a price package that works for you. And that's where the fun really starts up, and this is what I loved about the process. Designers from all around the world will submit awesome designs, and you give them your feedback. And within a week, you get to pick out your favorite and be the proud owner of a gorgeous unique new design with thousands of designers at your fingertips there's no limit to what you can get designed i've used 99 designs and i love working with them and what they did for me so what is it that you need you can boost your brand's visibility with a t-shirt drive more traffic with a sleek new banner ad or a landing page whatever it is you need projects start at just 199 dollars, and your happiness is always 100 percent guaranteed visit 99designs.com slash leadership and you can get a 99 dollars power pack of services absolutely free today go check them out you know a lot of what you're saying resonates with me and i would say i vacillate back and forth from that i would say there has always been a huge part of me that um what you just said i completely and as and from the pilot standpoint i get it and, and, and being around other pilots I get what it means to compartmentalize and not freak out in those type of situations. However, right, of course. However, sometimes, and maybe this is just part of my genetic makeup or part of, I, I don't know if it's part of environmental exposure or choices or whatever it is. Sometimes though, take that example of where you meet somebody successful like that. And I've done the same thing and I've, and I've known in myself, I'm just as capable and talented as this individual. I just haven't figured out how to get there yet. But here's the, right. other, here's the other piece that drives me crazy about myself. And I've known some other people too that way is like, because I don't know sometimes how to get there, there will be a feeling of, um, is it the, I don't know if the word's dread or feeling of overwhelming of, I don't know what to do next. And sometimes that breeds that not knowing what to do now. So that overwhelming feeling will breed inaction, if that makes sense. And I don't know how to get off center of that sometimes. What I've learned over the last couple of years is this, just start doing something that is towards that. And that certainly helps. And, and I've certainly come a long way in that aspect. But does any of that resonate with you? It doesn't sound like for you. It sounds like it's almost genetic with you almost. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, it's just, I, I don't know. I, for me, all my perspective shifted when my parents passed away. Everything sure, did. Sure. Like my, my, my interest in sort of dominating the world. I'm not, I, the thing is, I never really had that interest. I guess that for me, I look at three pillars. There's, there's time freedom, there's location freedom, and there's financial freedom. Right. So there's three things to me that are, that are paramount and they're really, really important. Those didn't register for me. It didn't really resonate until they passed away. And then I instantly was like, you know what? I'm never going to work for somebody again. And I want to live where I want to live. So I sort of instantly got location freedom and time freedom. Now, what I didn't have is financial freedom. And that was sort of, you know, that was the what's what's going to happen next. Right. And that's that's what I've been trying to, you know, figure it out for the last few years. And then, you know, have evolved into this situation where I'm in now, which is the podcast. What do you say to, um, I don't know if it's naysayers or or anybody that's maybe kind of like a devil's advocate side of it. Well, that's all fine and well. You're single. You don't have any kids. You're not married. What do you say to someone that, that is in that situation and wants to break free from those, wants that time economic and, and, um, and location freedom? What do you say to that person? I think that if you, first of all, just having kids, there's too many stories 
of people that also have kids also have, yeah. uh, you know, some kind of gig, some kind of job that they love that have gone on to do successful things where they want to live. There's too many stories of that. Right. So I don't know that that's in and of itself an excuse. Um, it is, I think that if, if there's a plan in place, which is, Hey, I really want to live X, Y, Z kids will adjust. Yep. I, my parents moved me between 10th and 11th grade, uh, from, from where I loved to where I didn't love at all. And I survived. Right. So it, it's like kids will adjust the, um, and now I resented them for it for about 10 years, but, um, you know, but, but kids will adjust, but yeah, I mean, if you have a life is so too short to slog away at a job you don't want to be doing and live yeah. in a place you don't want to be living, it's just too short period. Yeah. You could get hit by a blimp tomorrow and then it's all over and you're like, really? And I'm stuck here in, you know, wherever Tecumseh. So right. if you, uh, if you decide that I want to be in San Diego you're going to figure out a way to be in San Diego. And the best way I can illustrate this is if you and I were sitting across, Richard, if, you were, if we were sitting in a Starbucks and across the street, two-story building, I said, hey, Richard, there's $100,000 in cash sitting on top of that building uh, across the street. It's a two-story building. There's no obvious way to get on top of it. Um, you have 15 minutes to get that bag of $100,000 in cash. Are you going to get the bag? Yeah, Absolutely. Do you have any idea how? Uh, no, but I'm going to no. figure it out. Yeah, you're going to figure it out, and that's how. That's if it's. Yeah, we have that. to ask yep. ourselves how much we really want to do the thing that we we're saying out in the world. If you want to go and like, you know, go live. If you want to live in San Diego with your kids and you've been at, working at an office job and you want to surf every day. How bad do you want that? Because exactly. I'll bet you anything you could, you know, you could get a job at a surf shop and uh, and your kids would still be fine. And maybe you have to take a couple of notches down. Uh, that is one thing I will say that when I went through this process, I, the first thing I did is I leaned so hard. I leaned out with my I was I think I had about seven hundred dollar a month uh, nut that I had to pay. By the time I got it, like, you know, I rented a room somewhere. I had no car payment, super minimum of insurance. I didn't at the time have health insurance. But how low can you get your your outgoing expenses Right. to start bolstering, let's say, six months of buffer time for you to make the move happen and, and get to where you want to be? Um, it's really easy to get time freedom. You just go walk up to your boss and tell him to go screw himself. And then you have, <laughs> right. then you have time freedom. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, yep. and then location freedom is just you packing a bag and going to somewhere. So there, yep. now you've got the two, uh, the, the, the financial freedom is the part that you've got to work out. And honestly, I don't, there's not, there's not been a better time in, in American history yeah, I'm glad you for said an that, individual yeah. to start a business that you can make money at. I'm so um, glad you said that. Yep. It's so true. And, and I, I can tell you right now that if, if I were to lose everything and have to start over again, I could build something up quickly. Heck, I was driving to the airport the other day and I was going to meet my girlfriend and I was like, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I didn't have, I was going to get her flowers, but I ran out of time. And I was like, God, wouldn't it be cool if there was some homeless guy that had gone to the, the wholesale flower store and for 20 bucks bought a hundred roses and then bundled up for 10 bucks a piece in little five rose bun bundled bundles. 
and then you could just go and deliver them when you to, and you have a little cart and you sell them to people on the side of the road and the guy would make 400 bucks a day yeah doing that or whatever whatever the math works out to be but anybody can do that stuff That's it is right. so incredibly easy to make sort of little side money even if it's 500 bucks a month that's a free car for most people well and i so, think i think it's I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too and i think um and as as i've become more entrepreneurial too over the last 24 to 36 months it's almost like um i don't they have a, a saying for this but it's like when you go buy you know a red uh, Audi, you never notice red Audis until you got one yourself, right? It's the same thing with an entrepreneurial mindset or an abundance mindset is when you start surrounding yourself with like mind, and this is for any aspect, leadership, entrepreneurship, anything else, you surround yourself with like-minded individuals, you network, you meet, um, things start to look differently, right? From a perspective, even when you're just driving around, it's happened for me anyway. It sounds like that's what's happened to you too over, over the years. Well, if you, if you are in if you have aspirations of being, you know, a solopreneur of an, or an entrepreneur starting any kind of, you know, brick and mortar or online business, and you're not at the very minimum in a group coaching program of yeah. some sort, you're insane. Exactly. Insane. Agreed. You are so insane. To, I mean, uh, it's... There's so much power in that. It's so 10 much... 10 times harder oh, without yeah. doing that. Absolutely. I mean, having nobody that's aligned with you and and you you mentioned earlier, you have, you have a coaching program... Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have group and private, but yeah, both, yeah. I have I have both. And it's like the progress I see from these people that were completely lost going into yep. it are it's unbelievable. Like it's it's and it all it does is continue to reinforce. And, and you know, for me, maybe you see the same parallel for my most expensive private coaching. The people that come into that program by far the most successful going in to it. Like yeah. every one of them was a multi six figure earner, right? And walked in with the, you know, walked in with the mentality that I know I realize there's no way that I can get to this next level without a coach of some sort. Yep. Uh, just ask any pro tennis player or cyclist or athlete. You know, it's like they all have coaches. So why wouldn't you want to get a coach? Yeah. No. I the the power of coaching and what you just said and being involved in in real masterminds and ones that hold each other accountable. There's nothing more powerful than that. Absolutely nothing. I agree. And you can't do this by yourself. You clearly can't. And, and the, the power of building relationships and you, and you said that there's no better time to start a business. There's no better time to connect with literally to anyone across the world and establish uh, friendships like you can't even imagine and powerful relationships. It's so easy. Um, if you put, if you just put the effort in and you step out on a limb and just stop listening to those doubts, you know, and just do it. There's, there's, there's a lot to that, I think that it's it's easier to do that when you do have um, some people around you that are kind of doing the same thing, and that's the you know it it is far easier to to take that leap and start doing some of these things that you've never done before because it yep. is a little scary, it is especially scary, yeah. when you're mm -hmm. putting yourself out there like starting a podcast or you know a blog or whatever because everyone's like who am I who why who should be listening to me and it's like well I'll tell you what. If you know Excel spreadsheets inside and out, there's legions of people that want to know what you know. That's right. So they're willing to pay a couple bucks for that. And all of a sudden, that couple bucks turns into five grand extra a month for you. Well, that's why you would take the leap. It's just a matter of, and I'll tell you, I asked a question to Amy Porterfield, who's a big online marketer. She's a big Facebook right. um, person. And I said, how much, 
if I gave you a thousand dollars right now and that's all you got, you got a thousand bucks and you could, you know, go to the library, get a computer or whatever. How much could you turn it into in, in, in a month? And she thought for a second, she said, hmm, probably 10, probably 10,000. And, and she would, she was going to spend 700 on Facebook ads. She was going to be an affiliate for somebody else's product and then get like a little cheap, you know, WordPress website done. Um, but her strength is in Facebook ads. And I said, listen, you guys, you know what that means? That means that the only thing between you and making 10,000, you doing what you're doing now and you making $10,000 a month is like a Facebook course, a Facebook ads course, right? or just a little bit of knowledge. And, and honestly, knowledge that you could gather in a week or two. Yep. It's not rocket scientists or not rocket science. So it's like, Anybody can do this stuff. It's just a matter of having the willingness. And, and do you want to get on top of that roof and get the money? That's right. Well, Michael, you're such a great example. And, you know, you're, you're a living proof, like you said. I mean, and that's why I loved hearing your story about it's because I think a lot of times people who aren't or, or, or thinking about getting into this arena, you know, getting into this space, the network marketing, the internet marketing, the, the podcasting, all of that stuff. Um, it is a leap of faith. And people honestly think sometimes think it's just you know, one, uh, easy road to success. But I think everybody that you've talked to, and I know you can vouch for this for the people you've talked to on your show. It's a series of, of setbacks and, um, and stumbles and sometimes failures out and outright failures, but it's just the tenacity of keep going forward and keep pressing forward. And, and that's where the abundance and the success comes from. And you're, you're a living proof of that. And uh, I appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your show. Tell, let people know where they can find you, can find your show, and get a little plug on your stuff. Well, first of all, I, I just want to acknowledge what you said, which is very true. I, my, my girlfriend is a, in, a, in a startup, a tech startup right now, and they're going through you know, FDA trials. And it's just things fail and things are going. And she's not. This is the first time she's done that. Meanwhile, her boss, is, who, boss who also happens to be her father, is – so used to it. He's so used to things. So he's not panicked at all about it, but she's freaking out. Right. And I, and I'm like, Hey, look, by definition, this is what you do. All you're doing is looking for that next failure, but it's not really a failure. Is it? It's, it's you having to go, Oh, all right, don't do that part again. Or let's pivot into this thing. So the, that things will not go exactly the way you planned is inevitable. Right. How you respond to them is the difference between the people that become successful and the people that are that beat themselves up over the the, the change or the the the, the quote unquote failure? Right. Um, so anyway, my show is called the Solopreneur Hour. Since no one can spell preneur, <laughs> uh, I have shortened the URL to solohour.com. It's on three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday on iTunes, um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Solo Hour. And Facebook at Solo Hour on Instagram, so I'm pretty much everywhere, and uh, and that's it. You know, we have the job security for the unemployable. That's that's what we do. And if if anybody um, is interested in, uh, well, I don't want to say you've got your own coaching program. No, it's okay. No, so, yeah, it's probably. all right. It may be work for you. you go ahead and get plug it because I'm going to put a link to it anyway on when I post this. So, no, <laughs> okay. Right. Well, it just what what we found is that. People resonate with some people and they don't resonate with others. So if you like how some people coach or how they talk and you want to, you want to learn from them, they probably have a coaching program at some sort uh, of some sort. So yep. uh, mine is IWantSoloLab.com if you guys are interested in that. And we have a really great community of people that are starting businesses and starting podcasts and, and blah, blah, blah. So 
That's all. That's all I'll plug. Oh, well, I got to tell you guys, Michael, you're one of the good ones out there. His show, for all the listeners out there, if you like this style of, of interview style, you know, Michael knocks it out of the park with the, with the way he talks to his guests. He gets a lot of information. Um, it's, it's just, I love his style. I love his show. It's one of the better podcasts out there. So I highly encourage my listeners to go out and check out Michael and check out your work. Michael, what a thrill to have you on the show. We've been, uh, in the same kind of networks we've never talked and I'm so happy we've met together I look forward to staying in touch and maybe collaborating with you in the future thanks for coming on the show thank you Richard I really appreciate it and uh, thanks to everyone for listening Great. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm confident consistent and courageous in all aspects of our lives Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.